Guys, that was incredible. Wasn't that incredible? Wow. <laughs> What's the name of that band that does uh, a Christmas album every year? Trans-Siberian. Yeah, that's what it was. It was better than a trans. It was better. <laughs> Woo! I've been a little bit down today, but not after that. My goodness. And I get to hear it next time, too. All right. Hi, my name's Lon, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and I've missed you. I haven't been in this uh, pulpit for a while. I've been giving a lot of attention to helping the start of our new church, which we call Tri-Village. John spoke to you about it. It's going great, but I have missed you, and it's great to be with you at Christmas. I know Pastor Rob would say the same thing, an incredible joy for us to share this season with you. It's actually kind of been a hard week. Uh, for me and uh, I'm a Christmas guy you know and I people think I'm a little crazy about it I probably am uh, but this week I experienced more of the sadness of Christmas than I usually get and it's because I kept running into people in situations where deep deep loss in life has taken place uh, our dear friend John who is our our elder and our chairman he lost his precious wife two years ago at Christmas time. And so as we had lunch this week, I could just feel that lostness. Uh, yesterday on Facebook, um, which is an amazing thing actually for all that we complain about it, it's, it's pretty cool that you can be informed of things from far, far away that are happening to people you haven't even seen in a while. And yesterday I learned that one of my pretty good friends from 40 years ago died suddenly uh, I was shaken by it my mind immediately went back to times he and I would gather at Coco's restaurant in our early 20s and try to figure out life a little bit I, I miss him I haven't seen him now he's gone and again it just hits me uh, people my dad died five years ago this this week and um, when you lose a parent Every cycle, when it comes around, you, you recall it and revisit it. And I was especially remembering this week as I thought about Dad, is um, just before he died, his mind started going, it, it would leave the present and go to the past. I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. But my father, 88 years old, and, and I was sitting right next to him, and, and he, he, his eyes changed, and I knew he had left this consciousness and was somewhere in the bank of his memories. And he said, like a little boy, he said, I just wish mother and father wouldn't fight so much. And I realized my 88-year-old father was back to when he was like eight years old. Well, what, what does all this mean? That, that Christmas can be hard for people, Yeah. But what it struck in me is, man, relationships really matter. Uh, we can think about lots of stuff in life and take relationships for granted, but at the end of the day, that's, that's the sum total of why existence really matters. I think the reason that that's there is because we are essentially relational beings. And that's because God is. 
in the very first book of the Bible, when humankind is made, it says, God says in the plural, let us make mankind in our image, us, our, because we believe that God himself is in relationship with the three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. Let us make humankind in our image. From the very beginning, to, to exist is to exist in a relational life. The reason that's hit me so much is because of the passage I was asked to address on this Christmas Sunday. If you have your Bibles, please open to 1 John chapter 1. It's way back toward the end of the Bible. If you're using one of our Bibles in the back of the chairs there, it's on page 1207, I think. So turn on, open up, etc. And those of you that don't want to do either of those things, I'm also going to read it on the screen. So here's our big idea. We are relational beings because God is a relational God and God has made us in his own image. All right, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, when we have looked at and our, uh, our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and we declare it to you. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You may have never thought of this as a Christmas passage, but it truly is. Look how it starts. John is the last living eyewitness of Jesus Christ at this point, toward the end of his life. And he is shouting out to whoever will read what he has written, we heard, we saw, and we touched God. Simple. We heard, we saw, we touched. The three dominant senses of the five senses are sight, hearing, and touch. And that's how John begins this thing. Partly it's because the world he lived in, uh, much of it denied that God could ever be touchable, could ever be human. And he's seeking to put that at rest. But I think he's got a bigger thing going here. He, he goes on, look down, it says in verse 3, he, he touches on it again. I'm sorry, 2. The life appeared. It wasn't that it was cosmic, way out there, God far away. The life appeared. And again, he says, we've seen it. We testify to it. And we're telling you about it. 
this life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim what we have seen and heard. So we have heard, we have seen, we have touched, we have seen, we have heard, we have seen, we have touched, we tell. It was huge to John that God could be touchable. I think that the birth of Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection in bodily form was all done so that the God of the universe could convince humanity he is here. He is tangible. He can be touched. It's overwhelming. Because, because God is so much more than just Jesus in 33 years, manifest in the human form. He, he's the creator of heaven and earth. He holds all things together. He is cosmic. He is light. He is Lord of all. He is the great I am. He is so much that the Hebrews couldn't even say it, the I am that I am. And yet at this point, at this time in human history, he becomes one and is with us. Why? God is essentially relational. And he wanted us to know. Well, that's John's big idea. And he suggests that we don't at this point think of God just as light, which is a wonderful term, but rather nebulous. He says, think of him as father. Think of him as son. Once again, relational. Relational, relational. The essentially relational God seeks to have essentially relational meaning in our lives. That story began at Christmas and it carried on for 33 years. And the promise is somehow, some way, if you know Jesus Christ, you're going to live in relational union with God forever and ever. That helps when we experience the sadness of lost loved ones, knowing that we hope to be reunited if they too had followed Jesus Christ, knowing that it will not always be this way. Perhaps the essence of sin is broken or lost relationships. Hmm. So we're going to talk about that today. And another reason I have to is because of a word that's used in this passage four times. You'll see it in verse 3, fellowship. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you can have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father. Then look down in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sins. Four times, fellowship, 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 fellowship. It's one of those words that we use so much, it loses its meaning. And so we have to find new and fresh ways to say it. Here's how Eugene Peterson suggests. He says, think of fellowship like this. Shared life. We have shared life with God. Fellowship. Here we go. Fellowship equals shared life first with God. Verse 3, verse 7, 
both point out that we get to have shared life with the God who at one time came and could be seen and heard and touched. But now that shared life is in a different form. It's spiritual, isn't it? It says in Romans chapter 8, and don't try to turn to it, we don't have time, but it just says this in the ninth verse of Romans 8. He says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. We are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in us. And so while I would really, I really, really would wish that when I come into the office tomorrow morning and I have four nice sitting chairs, I would really, really love it, Eric, if Jesus was sitting in one of those chairs. Yeah, no, not you, Eric, Jesus, in one of those chairs. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, or to go home this afternoon and just sit, and he's there. But it doesn't work that way now. He is there, he is here, but it's in the spirit realm. You say, well, golly, why can't he just sit in the chair next to me? Well, because that would be so selfish. Now, that would really be nice if God was consigned to time and place and only with lawn. You get it. If God loves the whole world, God's got to find a way to be with the whole world, and the way he's with the whole world is in the spiritual realm so that when I think of my friend who died in California, and now I think of his beautiful wife, Janet, who was a part of Marie's and my youth group, I can believe that he is with Janet right now. I can believe that he is with Elder John right now. Because in the spirit realm, God is able to be present with all who know him and call upon his name. No, the first beauty, and then John mentions it twice, is this one who we were able to touch and see and hear for a little while is now eminently touchable, seeable, and hearable in the spiritual realm right now, too. He mentions it twice. There's a second value to this shared life fellowship thing. And this flipped me out this week because I was really working this passage, and, and I go, Huh? I didn't expect it to say that. Do you ever read verses in the Bible and you read them and you go, I didn't expect it to say that. Why? <laughs> Evidently, God doesn't think the same way that I do all the time. But in both verse 3 and then again in 7, it says this. Look at 3 with me. Look closely at it. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard and then here's the surprising part. So that you also may have fellowship with us. I like that laughter out there. It makes me laugh too. I didn't expect it. Here's what I expected it would say. We proclaim to you. Let me change voices. We proclaim to you that which we have seen and had. You know, we want to make this ultimately British and big. So that you also may have fellowship with God. Because that's how they say God. God. But it doesn't say so that you can have fellowship with God. What's it say? So you have fellowship with us. Now, follow down. Look at verse, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. What's it say first? 
one another. <coughs> Eric, I need water. That God really hurt me. <coughs> He's also the thirst quencher. The second notion I want to get at is that the shared life is not just with God. It's also evidently with one another. Shared fellowship with us. Shared life with us. Fellowship equals shared life with others. Now think about that. I, I was in my men's Bible study this week. About six or seven of us guys get together Tuesday mornings at 6.30. And I was working this passage with them. And we just started talking about fellowship or shared life with one another. And we talked about how fun it is to have things in common. And, and, and it made me start thinking about last year, one of my friends in the church, uh, the, one of the things that makes G Jim Getz and I friends is that we both love the Green Bay Packers. I know, it's hard. Live with it. Um, <laughs> And, and so we'll often tease with each other and they say, well, what's, did you get the new stocking hat and, you know, and all of that that has the logo? And he, and he took me to Lambeau Field. I've never been there. And it was a bucket list thing for me. He has the right because he was, he's from uh, Wisconsin. I have the longing because I grew up in California and we would watch true football happen out here where there's snow and frozen tundra and, 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 and all of this. And I just longed someday that I might be able to be where it all began. You know, that sort of thing. So, so we go up to this game and we have so much fun going up there. Plus he has a fast car and, and, and I like that. I didn't have to pay for it. He did. And, and it's just, it would just have, we share fast cars and the Green Bay Packers. And we went to the game. We had great seats, lots of brats, and the Packers won. It was great. Bucket list, check. But you know where the real meaning happened with me and Scott? This is a drive home. Game was over. It was fine. All that we hoped for from the game happened. But in reality, that's not the center of life. The center of life is sharing the depths of life with those you love. So on the way home, we're talking about our relationship with God as if God was right there with us because he was and in us because he is and how that manifests itself in what we do, in who we love, in whom we long for. It's, it's this, this God life lived out in others brings you together in a way of deep, Deep meaning. There's absolute trust. Well, most of the time. I'll still let Jim down because I walk in the darkness sometimes. And he may occasionally let me down because he walks in the darkness sometimes. But I can get closer with someone who knows Jesus in a shorter amount of time than someone I've known for 50 years who doesn't know Jesus, right? Shared life of God with one another and it's one of the great joys of life now let me just say this because here's the point I really want to make C.S. Lewis says it far better than I can the New Testament knows nothing of a solitary religion we are forbidden to neglect the assembling of ourselves together we're forbidden you see, the dark side of me always wants to point toward me, and the dark side of me wants to live in solitude with me, and God says that's not how it works. 
It's all about relationships. And so incidentally, thanks for coming today. It wasn't an easy day to come. But we're glad you're here. You need to be here, and you're supposed to be here. Because God's people are told to hang out with God's people so that they can love God more and reach the world better together. It's all about relationship. Uh, now, now, if I were to end the sermon right now, and I've gone 20 minutes, and Brian said I can go 30, uh, so you're stuck with it. Uh, but I could end it right now and, and just say this. So, the great joy in life is that God has communicated through the birth of Jesus by becoming flesh that he wants relationship with us. And when you get that, you get relationship with others thrown in. Thanks be to God, and you are dismissed. But you have to be asking yourselves a question. Relationship with God, pretty great part of it, Lon. Although sometimes this whole spirit-to-spirit thing is, is a little difficult, you know, getting in touch with all that. But when you start talking about how wonderful it is to be in relationship with others, that's just not true. <laughs> right? It's Dickens. It was the best of times, and it was the, yep, because that's humanness. Now, part of the reason is, and I think God did this on purpose. He told us to be unified, but he didn't make us uniform. Let me say it again. He told us to be unified, but he didn't let us be uniform. Uniform would mean that Marie thinks, eats, feels just the way that I do. And she don't. <laughs> uniform would be that my friend David, who's a scientist, uh, would all of that intelligence would have been transferred to me. And it weren't. We're utterly different and yet called to be together and so the first thing that makes God laugh is that he's asked us to do that I want you all to really love each other but you're really not even going to like each other all the time that's the church isn't it yeah yeah because we're not uniform okay but it goes deeper than that the problem with this relational thing is is that we're all so dark and flawed. You know, at my best, I'm rather likable. At my less, which is about 99% of the time, you don't want to be around me. That's the real deal. So God calls us to this deep, deep kind of, of unity, because, and yet he doesn't make us uniform. In fact, C.S. Lewis says of that, he says, every person is almost a species to himself. That works pretty well for me. Marie clearly thinks I'm a different species. <laughs> and vice versa. But then you throw in this other thing, this, this other tendency we have of the problem of darkness. Now that's what takes us then down into verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship, and I will use the words shared life, if we claim to have shared life with God, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we're not living out the truth. Darkness. The light darkness thing. We've been talking about it for two weeks. In this passage, light and darkness has to do with moral behavior. 
moral and ethical behavior. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, it says in verse 5, right? But it says of us, if we claim to have shared life with God, and yet we walk in darkness, and the whole rest of chapter 1 and chapter 2 is talking about this flawed tendency that we all have. The Bible often calls it sin. It's all over the place, and it's got a hold of us, and it turns us inward toward ourselves, and it's, and it's, and it's anything but light. And, and it's the sense of you know, how darkness can spread. My, my flawedness can spread and spread flawedness in others, just like darkness just can start to conquer everything. And the problem is, is uh, uh, being human, we've got a lot of that in us. And so, and it hits those that we love the most, the hardest. If I don't care much about you, when we're in conflict, it doesn't bother me much. But if I care about you and we're in conflict, it bothers me a lot. Because wherever the darkness is in love relationships, it, it just makes our souls bleed. I wish I could get rid of that. I wish with all my heart I could. Uh, but I'm convinced now at age 64 it ain't ever going to go. It's always going to hurt hard to get hurt by those I love the most. God knew that. Now notice there, because God has some help for us in this darkness thing, the problem of darkness. He has, he has some help for us. C.S. Lewis says this, the sacrifice of selfish privacy is daily demanded of us. This turning in and life all about me instead of about we is, is, is my default. But boy, God calls us not to do that. And then he promises to help us not to do that. And that's where verse 7 becomes so wonderful. If we walk in the light, I like the word walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light. Okay, so don't pass that. If we walk in the light. Last night we were over at uh, my granddaughter's house. Because uh, she invites us all the time. She's eight months old now. And, and she invited us. So, and she doesn't even crawl yet. But she's, she's starting to get it. Because she, her legs don't cooperate. Uh, but the arms do. And almost like a military person on the ground, she, takes, she drives an elbow into the ground, this one, and pulls herself along on the room. And the legs just kind of dangle. Okay. So, but she'll get it, won't she? Uh, you know, one of these days... And I'm hoping it's before Christmas because I think it would be so cool that my daughter and son-in-law uh, have their tree upset and everything uh, by a crawling baby. That would be so cool. Okay, so, so she's got to learn it. All right, then you go from crawling and you go to what? You go to walking. But do you walk well right away? <laughs> no. Whoa. You know, it, 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 you got this going, got this going. And, and, and in fact, if you translate that to the spiritual life, we're stumbling in our walking all the time, aren't we? You start to think you've got the spiritual life figured out. You can walk well, then, then something will trip you up, or someone will trip you up, and off you go again. You gotta, okay, it says, if we walk in the light. Now be careful, 
Many of us would be tempted to, to read that as, if we walk according to the light, which means this, if I obey all the laws of God, I will walk perfectly, and everyone else will be a sinner, but I won't. Legalism, right? If we walk according to the light, the law. No, no, no. It says if we walk in the light, not according to the light. It says if we walk in the light. Well, what does that mean? That the light that is God, God in all of his perfection, who is with us and who is in us, if I'm walking in that relationship, it enables me to walk well, more light-like than darkness. And so right here we have John, who's so abstract. He uses all these strange terms. But now he, he just brings it down. He says, I just want you to learn to walk in the one who is with you and the one who is in you and let his light take over the leadership of your life in every way. The more I learn to do that more each day, the better I am to be around. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then, then my relational world is better, then we have fellowship with one another, and, and here's the other great thing, and the blood of Jesus his son, verse 7, purifies us from all of our sins. Here, get this. If we learn to walk in the light, Lord, you're with me right now. In the spiritual realm, I can see, hear, and touch you. Walk in me, Lord. Light through me, Lord. And when I slip into the darkness points, I am so grateful to know that the blood of Jesus Christ shed for my sins is continuing to operate. Here's how I know it means that, you guys. Because that word purifies, the form that it's in is what we call the present active indicative. And it means this, that all the time in the present, God is slowly purifying us, helping me to walk right again, helping me to walk a little better. That the, the blood of Jesus Christ is constantly purifying me, or if you will, lighting me up out of my darkness. That's a beautiful thing. What good news. What joy. Walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another. Walk in the light as he is in the light and whenever we stumble into darkness, the blood of Jesus Christ continues its purification process in us. Confess your sins, verse 9. When you sense the darkness has taken you again, agree with God about it. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I did it again. When the darkness has afflicted you and you hurt someone else, go to them and say, I've already told God how sorry I am. Now I want to ask you to forgive me too. Because remember, we always hurt those we love the most, the most. Merry Christmas, everyone. God has come to convince us he is with us. And guess what? When he is with us, we get better and better. And when he is with us, we get to be with each other too.
We need that, don't we? Pray with me now. Father, unto you we commit the words and the hope, the joy. Is it true, our Lord, that we can actually walk with you? That we can, in the spiritual realm, see you, hear you, and touch you habitually in our lives? And is it true, Lord, that because of you, I can love others more deeply and be loved more deeply by them? And is it true, my Lord, that through those two things, we have about as much joy as these, these lives can handle? I pray that for everyone here now, in Christ's name, amen.